What's going on, everybody? Welcome back again to the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul, and I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? And we're back with another episode of our series that we've been doing for a while now, the QB Room episodes. Today, we're going to be talking about the Bears and Patriots QB Rooms. Uh, We've talked about many at this point. I've lost count of how many episodes we've done, but we have a whole bunch in the locker, and we're starting to get to the juicy bit with some of the top quarterbacks in the league coming up in the next couple of episodes. We're going to get to the point where we're spending full episodes talking about quarterbacks. So uh, tune in for those. And if you haven't checked out the previous ones yet, uh, go ahead and do so. And with that being said, I think we let's get into Justin Fields and his game. Yeah. So let's talk about the bears quarterback room, having it ranked 17th. Um, so let's touch on Justin Fields' game overall first before we dive into the game-by-game breakdown. Um, so Fields last year, definitely a struggle. I would say it's inarguable that last year was a tough year for him, especially from a passing standpoint. Um, he has a pretty exceptional arm in terms of max distance. Um, and uh, how do I phrase this? Um, in terms of velocity, it's good. But in terms of functional velocity, um, I'm going to immediately start bleeding into the negatives here, but uh, in terms of functional velocity, because he doesn't have strong vision or timing over the middle of the field, um, that really doesn't come into play as much as it should. Um, and then, um, obviously, the thing that we have to mention is that he's by far the best rusher in the NFL. Um, and if you want to touch on anything else, uh, I'll let you go ahead. Yeah, I, I pretty much your breakdown of the game is how I see him, too, to put like what you were saying into maybe a little bit more layman's terms. Justin Fields is like an absolutely incredible athlete. Like if you look at his measurables or just like raw athleticism, he goes off the charts in every way. But when you see him passing the football, it just doesn't quite translate. His arm strength and ability just doesn't look as natural as some of these other super gifted athletes when they're playing quarterback. And uh, for whatever reason, just the functionality of his athleticism while he's trying to play quarterback is just a little bit off for whatever reason. And I would 100% agree that at this point in time, he's easily the best rushing quarterback in the league, in my opinion. I think the Bears made a huge step last year in like changing the way They've built their offense and game plan around Justin Fields to make it like super duper reliant on his running game and really emphasize that strength that he has. I think last year's Bears offense that I saw towards like the second half of the season is maybe the most like run heavy quarterback offense I've seen outside of maybe like your 2019 Ravens offense with Lamar Jackson or maybe some of those prime Cam Newton years. They really went full in on the Justin Fields rushing attack. And in many ways, it worked. It helped him develop his game because at about halfway through the year last year, it was getting to that point where we weren't sure if Fields was going to develop to a starting caliber guy. Uh, And he definitely did show that sort of value later down the line when they fixed that. But I would agree with his passing game still has a lot of holes uh, he still struggles heavily in just simply breaking down defenses and taking advantage of all this athleticism that he has. I think for someone of his abilities, uh, he lacks in playmaking as well. And it's it makes sense a little bit because at Ohio State, he was not really asked to do that. 
And he, he definitely has those capabilities, but it's just something that we haven't seen. Yeah, speaking of like the reason he lacks in playmaking, um, to kind of clarify on Potty's point, I think what he's implying is more so um, the amount of negative plays that he makes, both with turnover-worthy plays and sacks, it's a really big limiting factor for whatever positives that he generates out of structure. So um, that's that's why he's he's not really a good playmaker in total. And then to kind of add to some of my previous points that I made with his his timing and stuff like that, his timing is so poor that it kind of bleeds into his accuracy. Where I don't think at Ohio or at Ohio State he was, according to like the charting and, and stuff that um, I've collected and, and other sources as well, extremely accurate quarterback in college, but. Um, the jump that he had to make in terms of timing and processing, um, it's really affected his ability to pass accurately uh, because of how far behind the play that he really is. So um, it's, his timing is his timing is worse than the NFL level, um, it, like bleeding into like some backup level. Like it's it's really like some like the fiftieth best timing in, in the NFL or something like that. So um, he he really needs to work on that to get it up to replacement starter level at the very least and um yeah that's kind of what we're looking at here um if he does want to go like the traditional drop background um so unless unless you have any disagreements i'll get started into the first game and we'll go from there all right so this first game against san francisco at home really rough game weather wise this is like one of the rainier games of the season um, I thought he showed some things, but his decision-making, again, in this one, really, really bad. Um, there, There's a couple of deep passes that he was able to execute, um, such that I was like, okay, it's not the worst thing in the world considering the con- conditions, but uh, putting the ball in harm's way three times, only one of them intercepted. Um, definitely getting lucky there. And not all of them were just accuracy-based stuff where I can just shrug it off because of the weather. Um, he wasn't really seeing the field well. Um some of that may be because of the weather. He couldn't really see his receivers well at all. But, um, yeah, the, there, there's some evidence here of the processing being kind of bad. Yeah, as a Niners fan, I, I, I said this about Trey Lance, and I'll keep the same energy for Justin Fields in this game. I really couldn't extract much of what he is as a player from this game purely based on how terrible the weather was. It felt like it was a monsoon. It was that wet. So it was definitely tough conditions for someone like him to play. Uh, But with that being said, he did look pretty poor in that first half. He did start to kind of get things together in the second half. Had a couple of big explosive plays, like a like 50-plus yard touchdown pass to Dante Pettis, as well as one play, I, uh, I believe, he kind of just ran around and made a play out of nothing and scrambled for a big chunk gain. Uh, he did have a couple of just big plays in that game where he just went out and made a play. And that's kind of where you see that athleticism and just like maybe even feel for the game kick in for him. But overall, I think he struggled a lot with what PD was saying was a big issue for him overall in this game with was his timing in this one. I think just the weather made it, it, things off for his receivers in general and he he wasn't able to uh, adapt to the conditions. Uh, his accuracy obviously dipped a bit as well, given those conditions. And overall, I'd say this was a very tough performance to start. Uh, but I didn't take it. I did take it with a grain of salt, considering how bad of weather it was. 
Yeah, so we go into the next game, which is a much better sample to evaluate him weather-wise. And uh, yeah, this was really, really ugly. Um, this was one of the uglier games of the season probably for me, even including that last game. It might have been worse. Um, just absolutely no way to generate offense for Chicago at all. Um, Fields, three sacks that he took, pretty bad, all of them. Um, just holding on to the ball for an eternity um, with no reason to. They put the ball in harm's way twice, once with the fumble, once with an interceptable pass that resulted in a pick. Um, yeah, just there's nothing nothing really to glean from this one. It's it's very bad. Yeah, at this point in the season, things were really looking really bleak for Fields. And at this point, I wasn't even sure if he was going to be able to recover himself and get to a starting caliber. Uh, there was just so much wrong with this performance here. I think the thing that stuck out to me the most and I think it's something that Fields still struggles with to this day is him just trying to do too much sometimes out of structure, and that results in screwing up the timing of the play and him just dealing with way more pressure than he needs to be and taking unnecessary sacks. Sometimes that athleticism tends to give him a crutch that he tries to use to get out of situations and just run around and make something out of nothing. Uh, but sometimes that holds the team back, holds his own play back, and we saw this here. Three sacks, which I'd say were mostly all his fault. Uh, he came and made a mistake in this one as well with that interception, and that's really not something he can do, especially at this point in his career when he's not really making too many explosive plays uh, throwing the ball. Uh, he wasn't really a huge impact in the rushing game as well in this, and I think when Fields isn't a huge impact in the rushing game, he just simply isn't going to be a big impact player and the the worst part about this one is he just didn't even attempt to throw the ball anywhere more than a couple yards downfield I mean he wasn't asked to do a whole lot either because the game got out of hand pretty quickly but despite that the Bears didn't feel confident in putting the ball in his hands and letting him run that offense which is definitely concerning for the guy who you want to be your franchise quarterback pretty soon uh, as soon as this year for that Bears team. So, uh, poor performance for him to start out in this season. Yeah, moving on to the next one against Houston. Again, uh, a rough performance. The accuracy in this one, still not good. Um, he put the ball in harm's way twice, two interceptions, as evidence of that. Um, five sacks in this one, a number of them on him. Um, yeah, just another performance. Um that looks pretty poor, but I promise it does get a little bit better soon. Yeah, I can second that. It definitely does get better, but this game was not that time, especially when you're going up against a terrible defense like this Texans ones. I mean, if you guys have seen this series, we every time we get a matchup against the Texans, we say, oh, the quarterback played well, but it was the Texans. And Fields somehow managed to screw that up as well. He took five sacks against a very, very poor front seven, which was – absolutely abysmal and it's just a continuation of what he was trying to do last week where he just tries to do a bit too much sometimes and in this case in this game he was also just holding the ball a bit too long and that's what was causing all this pocket trouble he seems to have and those two mistakes are obviously going to be killer well one of them almost costing them the game even you just simply can't have that many turnover worthy plays especially at this point where He's not really making the explosive plays to make up for it. His accuracy was pretty poor once again in this one. 
aside from a couple of plays in the intermediate region. He was really only checking the ball down or just throwing it quick on like bootlegs or whatnot. And when you see a team like the Bears run the ball 40 times and he only passed the ball 17 times, you can see that there's just a clear like distrust in fields at this point in the season. They aren't handing the reins to him at all. And that's definitely a point of concern. Yeah, um, it does get better in the next game, though, because against the Giants, he was able to generate a couple of explosive plays, uh, both on the ground and through the air. Um, had a really nice deep ball in this one. Um, he does take six sacks, which is going to prevent it from being a good game and the accuracy. Still not there, but I thought uh, this one was a step in the right direction. Yeah, I'd agree this was a step in the right direction, but I'd still say not enough of a step in the right direction just yet. He did have a couple pa- passing plays that were explosive plays, but I would say that was more just guys like Darnell Mooney getting wide open than him, uh, you know, making something happen. And something that I completely trust Justin Fields to do is hitting your open receivers. I mean, we talked about him not having the best timing, not really being able to dissect defenses and hitting the open guy. And I think a lot of it came from him at Ohio State having three first-round pick wide receivers just wide open all the time. And that's why it seems like on in the league where he doesn't have wide open receivers all the time, his timing's a little bit off. Uh, so I do trust him to hit those wide open receivers. And that's why I didn't see anything new from him here. And his accuracy still overall was just a bit too poor for my liking. He was still trying to do too much with that offense. And even though he's uber athletic, you have to work and function in the offense to some extent at some point. And he simply was not trying to do that. Uh, I would still say this was a bad performance from him because him and his team got pretty much locked up here. And it still seemed like the Bears were not fully trusting him running the ball a lot more than they were passing the ball with him. All right, moving on to the next one against the Vikings. And this one was the first time of life for me. Um, some extremely impressive runs in this one and only took two sacks only in quotes. But for Fields, that's that's a pretty good number. Um, he does put the ball in harm's way with two dropped interceptions um, and a fumble. Um, but I thought that his accuracy was a lot better and he just seemed a lot more in rhythm and in control in this game. So um, definitely a big step in the right direction for me. Yeah, to me, it was still a bit tough of a game because one, he not only had one fumble, I believe he had two fumbles in this game. And he did obviously have those two interception-worthy plays that you mentioned. Four mistakes at this point in his career. I know he's still young and early in his career, but when he's not having a whole lot of explosive plays, he just simply can't do that. Uh, And I think a couple of those plays were the reason that drives were killed and the reason they lost this game. Uh, But a couple of positive signs, like PD mentioned, he took a lot less pressure in this game and faced a lot and took a lot less sacks. I mean, two stills and great for your average quarterback for, but for Justin Fields, that is a major step in the right direction as well as his accuracy. And despite him pushing the ball more downfield than in other games, his accuracy improved. And that was definitely something I'd like to see out of him. Uh, His legs are a lot more of a weapon and a lot more of a problem in this game as well, because he was actually making an uh, impact in the rushing game. And 
we were starting to finally see glimpses of the Bears kind of using him as a rushing threat and a rushing weapon in this one. So you in this one, you start to see signs of the improvement, but I still wouldn't say he was quite the improved Justin Fields just yet at this point in the season. All right, moving on to the next one against Washington. This one a little bit more of a tough game again for me. Um, just not enough to overcome putting the ball in harm's way for an ugly pick. Um, the accuracy, again, really dipping below substandard levels. Um, it took five, takes five sacks in this one, holding on to the ball way too much. Um, a number of these sacks very much on him. Uh, yeah, I don't really have much to say there. Even even with some of, some impressive scrambles, um, it's not enough to overcome it. Yeah, those little baby steps he took in those last couple games where he was starting to get his rhythm back, he completely lost it in this one, I would say. His accuracy went back to a pretty terrible level. And I feel like this game he seemed even more shook than a lot of those early games because the offense just simply was not moving whatsoever. And a lot of that was because Justin Fields was just firing balls into the dirt or just sailing the ball. It's the, and I think a big reason was because he was letting the commanders take give him a lot more pressure. He was holding on to the ball a lot more. I think the commanders came out and decided that they were going to game plan and force Fields into pressure. And as we saw from this game, at this point in his career, he was not good at countering that at all. Uh, I don't think he's been he's doing a good job of using his athleticism to counter the pressure. I mean, there's many quarterbacks. We talked about this. Uh, it's something a lot of them have struggled with, and only guys like Lamar or Josh Allen are starting to kind of get used to being able to do that. And Fields is, at this point, still using his athleticism as a hindrance than a positive against blitzes and pressure. And that's why you saw him take five sacks in this game, which – is terrible for someone of his caliber. Uh, and along with that, he made another mis- pretty big mistake with that interception, was one of the big reasons they ended up losing this game. Uh, I guess one positive was, same thing you said, he did have one pretty big explosive run, like a 40-yard run, I believe. And overall, he was pr- a lot better in the rushing game than he was in previous games. But still, with his passing game being so poor in this one, uh, it's still a bad performance for me. All right, moving on to the next one. A little bit controversial for me. Um, this one, I think, was one of his poor games against New England. Um, he has five turnover-worthy plays in this one for me, four intercept in- interceptable passes, three of them being dropped um, with a bad fumble. Um, so that kind of puts a ceiling on what he can really do. Of course, the rushing was very impressive, but for me, it wasn't enough to overcome the fact that he put the ball in harm's way that many times, plus four more sacks. So um, there's more negative to, to go around there. But um, yeah, I'm curious to what you think about this game. Honestly, I was thinking a very similar thing to you because I know this was kind of his coming out party to like the national media. Obviously, the Bears dropped 33 points in this one a lot more than any of their other games and beat a Patriots team who wasn't bad. So it was still a relatively impressive win. But a lot of things jump off the screen to me right away. I mean, one being, even though two only two of them were even in question of getting picked up by the defense, Justin Fields did fumble the ball four times in this one. 
and had a couple of interception-worthy plays as well as one being actually picked off. So when you try to turn or when you almost turn the ball over that many times to me, it's just never going to end up being a good game. But on top of that, he still struggled with him trying to do too much and taking way too much pressure. And I guess one thing that I said Bill Belichick has always been good at is dealing with young quarterbacks and sending the pressure. And I think he did do a good job of that once again against Fields. And Fields definitely struggled. It seemed like he was kind of under pressure and duress throughout the game. And that's why it seemed like he was making so many mistakes and like fumbling the ball here and there. Uh, He definitely was slightly more accurate in this one compared to his other games. And it did surprise me a bit considering how the New England secondary is a bit stingier than some of their other opponents. He was kind of starting to uh, get in tune with a couple of receivers, spreading the ball out a little bit more. Uh, but overall, I think he just made far, far too many mistakes for me to call this a good performance. Uh, but he was finally getting into his own in the rushing game. I think this was a very, very big impact rushing game. And probably why the general public thinks this is a good game for him. Because I think he really killed the Patriots' legs. But to me, his passing attack was still simply not there. Yeah, I, I like what you said um, before you corrected yourself about trying to turn the ball over. I like that more than almost turning the ball over. Um, anyway, moving on to the next one against Dallas. So this one, actually a good performance in my opinion. Um, the accuracy way up from the previous game does make a couple of explosive plays here and there. Um, the sacks that he took in this one, I think, were more of a result of uh, Dallas completely overmatching um, the Bears' Offensive line, as they do to many offenses. Um, And I thought that Fields looked a little bit more comfortable in this one than he did in previous games. Uh, To me, yeah, this was a bit of a step in the right direction. I think he played a lot better than he did in his other games. But I will say, uh, I feel as though the Cowboys weren't exactly going their hardest, especially in their that second half uh, when Fields did kind of have a lot of his production because the Cowboys did simply overmatch this Bears team. This defense was a lot better than that Bears offense. And, uh, and that the Bears defense also had no answer for Dallas's offense in this one. So I think this game was over pretty quickly. And as a result, uh, Fields was kind of able to do a lot more than his other games. Uh, but even given that it was still a much better game than any of his other uh, games, in my opinion, at least so far, uh, I still think he struggled with dealing with pressure and taking a lot of sacks in this one. That's going to be a common theme for him throughout the season. So not really something that's going to change quite yet. And that was another problem in this one. But I'll cut him a little bit of slack considering how good that Cowboys defensive line is and how bad his own offensive line was. But I think he took a huge step in accuracy in this one. He was actually attacking the ball downfield from time to time, and his accuracy didn't dip. If anything, it got a little bit better. I think he was finally starting to get a little bit of a connection with Darnell Mooney, which continued to develop throughout this year. Uh, He was obviously a huge factor in the run game and did have one pretty good touchdown run as well. but overall, this comes out to an average performance for me because, one, he didn't really do anything that jumped out of 
the film to me. No real uh, explosive or super impressive plays, but he did get the job done to a certain extent. Uh, but like I said, it was against slightly weaker competition, considering that the Cowboys didn't try as hard as they could have the whole game. All right, moving on to the next one against Miami. So this one, like an actually really good game. Um, and mostly the production here is coming through some incredible plays on the ground. Um, and to speak of the passing attack, I thought he was okay. Um, made some explosive plays. Did put the ball in harm's way for a dropped interception. But um, beyond that, not too many sacks in this one. Only two. Uh, only in quotes. Um, and yeah, just just a really, really impressive game on the ground. Yeah, I think this game was the start of the shift the Bears made and the start of the start of when people started to actually look and acknowledge Fields as being a potential weapon because I think this is the first game the Bears decided, okay, Fields clearly has the speed to absolutely torch defenses with his legs. Let's take this into advantage. Or And we saw him absolutely destroy this Dolphins defense on the run. I mean, that 61-yard touch or, uh, run was pretty spectacular. Uh, and overall, he was just seemed like significantly more athletic than that defense. He was able to get the edge with ease with pretty much every run he was doing outside, even running stuff like QB power or maybe a read option. He was able to juke out defenders in the box and pick up a couple of yards and most importantly, get down and slide before he was touched or got hit. He was able to do all this without getting injured or even like a potential scare of an injury. Cause sometimes you do see quarterbacks get hit and like have a little bit of a, a bit of a worry for a little bit. And I think this was huge for Fields' game overall. Cause I feel like he was under duress and under pressure a lot more and it's because the front sevens of these teams had to maybe pause for a second in the box and think, okay, what if Fields just tucks it in and takes off here? And I think just because of that, they had to be a little bit more hesitant and slow in their pass rushes. And Fields still takes two sacks in this one, but I think it was a lot less pressure that he had to face in this one. He also didn't make any mistakes, in my opinion, in this game. Uh, and I think that has to do with the fact that the defense was afraid of his rushing attack and he was able to get his passes off. I still think his accuracy was not the best as well as he didn't really try to attack downfield whatsoever. And when he is such a big rushing threat, I think he should be able to attack downfield because you, you see the defenses creep up more and more and dare him to pass almost. And I wish he did take that dare and actually pass it, but it was all just real short passes and, I guess he stuck within the game plan and did what he needed to do, but nothing in his passing game in this one impressed me particularly. Uh, but we did finally start to see Fields as a weapon in the rushing game. All right, moving on to the next one. Again, um, another explosive rushing game, but this time he does have a fumble in there, um, so it's going to knock it down from an elite rushing game to just very good to me. Um, does put the ball in harm's way twice. One interceptable pass that wasn't caught. Uh, by the defense and his accuracy was pretty was okay in this game but nothing truly great um but the the explosive plays that he does make um, on the ground and a very aggressive mindset pushing the ball down the field um it does help him um get to like an average slightly above average game for me 
yeah, this game honestly really, really surprised me because I thought it was super cool how Justin Fields was absolutely able to tear up this Lions defense with his legs. I think this was one of the best uh, rushing performances a quarterback has made all year against any team. And he was absolutely torching them, whether it was going down the sideline or just running up the middle or pretty much any play you were doing. It seemed like it was a successful run for Justin Fields. And this game, we saw a lot more designed runs for him, too. I felt like some of the other games, it was a lot of scrambles or just him using his feet when he decided to. But in this game, the Bears actually implemented in it in their game plan, and you really saw it make him turn into like turn into a completely different player and he kind of came into his own came to life in this game as a result i thought that like 60 plus route yard touchdown run was one of his most impressive plays of the entire season that he had and he also had a 50 yard touchdown pass to Cole Komet as well which he, granted Komet was wide open in it it just kind of goes to show how his rushing attack can help the offense in many, many ways because I felt like the Lions were super upfront and really biting on the run. And that's why off the play action, he just went wide open and Fields was able to make that play. And you see that in his passing stats in this game as well. It's significantly better or definitely a good bit better than what we saw earlier in the year. Uh, I guess the one issue or a couple of issues I still had with him is he once again reverted to struggling against pressure he did deal with a lot of it this game and once again took three sacks which is not good for him he also threw that interception which he really should not have I thought that was completely his fault and mistakes like that as well as the fumble is what's going to cost him a little bit make this a roughly average performance even with those or maybe even a little bit slightly above average performance even with those super explosive players all right moving on to the next one so Fields does get injured in this Falcons game um, and misses the the week 12 game, but quickly touching on like the more limited passing attack that he had this game. Um, there was an incredible throw that he made down the sideline out of structure, which is something more like the potential that we, we want to see from fields. But um, again, limited sample because of the injury. Um, he does have a couple explosive plays in this one, but does have an ugly fumble. And I didn't think the interception was his fault, but that fumble was so ugly that it, in fact, did make the game kind of average overall for me. So, um, yeah, also four sacks, um, a number of them his fault again. Um, just some more reasons as to why it was kind of more of an average game. Yeah, this this game definitely worried me a little bit because ever since that kind of shifted Justin Fields' role in this offense and made him kind of a weapon of attack where he can rush or pass at any given moment rather than be like a traditional quarterback. We kind of saw him flourish. And then in this game, we saw the Falcons kind of target that and really limit his rushing attack. And then we saw him take a major step back once again in the passing attack, almost reverting to where he was like maybe even earlier in the season. Uh, Obviously, the interception and that fumble are two pretty costly mistakes that he can't be making, especially in a close game like this one. He once again faced a lot of pressure and against this Falcons front seven that's just simply not something that happens to many teams uh it was him once again just either holding the ball too long or bailing the pocket too early and having defenders chase him and once again took four sacks uh 
I will say his accuracy is consistently improving, though. I, once again, didn't feel like he was poor accuracy-wise in this one. But the Bears did kind of go back to the I-don't-really-trust-Justin-Fields-passing offense in this game where they were just running the ball and primarily focusing on that, even even though it wasn't working as well as they would have wanted to. And when you see the Bears start to take away their trust in him, that's definitely when you you got to start to worry about him. All right, moving on to the next one. So, like I said, he misses the Week, week 12 game with an injury. It comes back against the Packers, and, oh, boy, he absolutely lights it up in this one. Um, I thought this was the best game of his season. Um, does have two interceptions. Both of them turn over the plays. But the second one, he just kind of, like, I, I don't really care about that one. It's like, um, at the very end of the game, he's just trying to make something happen, kind of forces the ball, whatever. Um, and the throws that he were making, he was making in this game um, down the field, extremely impressive. His rushing, also extremely impressive in this one. Zero sacks, just a very clean game overall. His accuracy definitely up from, from previous games where he had some really ugly passes. Um, yeah, this is, this is everything you hope for if you're a Justin Fields backer. Yeah, even though I wouldn't necessarily say it's a master class or a perfect game, and to me this isn't even his best game of the year, I would still say this was a huge step in the right direction for him. And the biggest point to me, and PD, you brought it up, is the pressure and the sacks. He finally took zero sacks in a game. And not only that, I really didn't feel like he was under pressure all game at all. It didn't look like he was running around trying to make something happen at all times. He looked clean and composed in the pocket. That's why you saw his accuracy go up. He actually looked like he could be comfortable in the pocket and dissecting defenses and just kind of destroying defenses in that way. And we already know that Fields can kind of play off his own legs and his own rushing game and use bootlegs or play action and play actions and that sort of stuff to, you know, function in an offense that way. But this in this game we saw like a whole new side to Justin Fields where he was able to beat defenses in a different way completely. He really wasn't even though he was still pretty impactful in the rushing game for a quarterback, I mean, that 55-yard run, once again, he absolutely torched that Packers defense. But it wasn't something he was doing all game or consistently. He was definitely a primarily a passer in this one. And it, it, it was definitely a huge bright spot there. Uh, even then, though, he still got to clean up the mistakes. Like PD said, two interceptions, both definitely his fault. Uh, I do agree that that second one, he was just trying to make something happen out of nothing. But despite that, it's still on him for making that play. Uh, But overall, huge step in the right direction and definitely a positive to look at towards the end of this year. All right, moving on to the next one. This one against Philly, so a really tough matchup. Um, And Field does not look good in this one again. Um, Ugly fumble in this one, puts the one harm's way for an interceptable pass, wasn't caught. Um, six sacks. Yeah, the Bears offense just really overmatched in this one. Um, I, I, I kind of felt bad for him at this point. Like they, um, they, they kind of like, um, couldn't really give him a, a clean supporting cast. And, he, and even then, because of the weird stuff that was going on on the other side of the ball with the Eagles offense, um, they were in this game, but I thought, um, the box score definitely lying in this one. 
Yeah, it was definitely some garbage time points that makes this game look a lot closer than it was. Uh, it was pretty evident from start to finish who was going to win and who was in control of this game. Uh, so that definitely is a point to look at when you look at this game. Uh, Fields wasn't asked to do as much as he would have in other games where, it was, where it's a little bit more back and forth and the Bears have probably more of a chance of winning. But I do think this was a bit of a worrying game because, once again, a good defense in the Eagles was able to lock up Fields in his rushing game. Aside from one pretty big 40-yard rush, he was able to do nothing against this Eagles defense. And when you shut down Justin Fields in the run game, you see his passing game follow and not be nearly as good. And you see him try to do too much and get pressured pretty much the entirety of this game. I think he was pressured on almost every single drop back he had in this one. And yeah, the Bears, the offensive line was pretty bad, but Fields really made no effort to, you know, move around in the pocket and be more comfortable. It felt like it was he was just bailing every chance he could get, and that's why he was sacked so many times. Uh, but one thing I will say is, even with the small sample size, he did have pretty solid accuracy. Uh, he wasn't really attacking the ball downfield a whole lot, so it's not something. Uh, it's not s- something that's a huge deal, but definitely a, more of a positive that, than a negative. Uh, but I definitely would have liked to see more from him in this one. All right, moving on to the next one against Buffalo. So um, this one, he played a pretty solid game, in my opinion. Um, even with the low passing volume, he still made a number of plays um, in terms of pushing the ball down the field. Um, in the limited snaps that he did do that, um, he was successful. And for kind of the rest of the game, they were pretty conservative, um, keeping keeping it kind of closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, so kind of a boomer bust type of mentality with him uh, in this game and I thought it worked in the times that he was pushing the ball down the field um, limited number of sacks for him uh, with only two and um, yeah pretty pretty decent game overall I honestly weren't wasn't so optimistic about this game I don't think I'd put it at def- decent I think I'd put it at probably a little bit below average performance because I s- once again felt like the Bears decided to take the ball out of his hands and entrust him fully in this offense because the game just got so out of hand. And it definitely looked like one of those situations where the Bills just outmatched the Bears. They had no chance. Uh, Nothing really was going their way. Justin Fields on the rush was absolutely locked up. And like I said, when Justin Fields gets locked up in the rushing game, his passing game typically follows. And even though his his passing game was the, in this one wasn't maybe his worst of the season, he's definitely had worse. Uh, it really didn't give me any room for uh, excitement either. I feel like aside from one time when he targeted the ball downfield to Vilas Jones, he really wasn't attacking the ball downfield. And that's why you see him in 20-plus pass attempts. He only threw for 119 yards. I think that's just because how much he was just getting rid of the ball as soon as he could. It seemed like he was just a little bit shook almost. And that's why I also think he didn't take a whole lot of sacks. Like, yeah, he wasn't under pressure, didn't take as many sacks as a normal week. But I think that's because he was just so nervous and getting rid of the ball so fast. The Bills didn't even get a chance to get to him. And in some ways, getting rid of the ball fast is good. But 
when you're doing it just to get a couple yards here and there and punt the football away, which the Bears did a numerous amount of times in this one, is just not like destined for good offense. And I think that was the issue here, even though Fields definitely didn't make nearly as many mistakes as he has in other games. He didn't do enough to put his team in like a winning position, and that was the issue for me here. All right, let's go to the last game of the season for Fields. Kind of a depressing game, if I'm being honest. Uh, this one was awful. Like this, is, this was really hard to watch. Um, puts the ball in harm's way twice for a dropped interception and a really, really bad interception. Um, and he also has another fumble in this one, seven sacks. Um, just accuracy horrible as well. Um, just, just an awful game for the entire passing attack fields included. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing really to take away on the positive side in this one. Yeah, this game was horrendous, man. Like there's really no other way to put it. This was terrible. And I don't know what keeps happening. I keep feeling that there's so many of these quarterbacks we've talked about in recent memory that their last game is just absolute dog shit. And Justin Fields was no no exception. He was just another one of those. And I think the main product of this game being so bad was the issue that we've been talking about him the entire year. I guess the two issues is him trying to do too much and taking way too much pressure in sacks, one, and him making too many game-changing turnover-worthy mistakes. That fumble that he had in this game was pretty terrible, as well as that interception, I'd say, was pretty much all on him. His accuracy was all over the place in this one. It looked like he was shook to the point where his mechanics had gone completely out the window. He was making passes that I didn't even see him do in college, and it just seemed like he was running for his life. That's why he took seven sacks in this one. That's a pretty terrible amount. And only 75 yards and 21 passing attempts is pretty ridiculous, too. I I couldn't believe what I was watching. The only real positive that you can take out of this is, I guess, his rushing performance. Uh, but I do think a lot of that came down to the fact that Detroit was up so much, they kind of just let Fields run around and do his thing uh, as he pleased. It wasn't a huge <laughs> It wasn't a huge problem to them because, you know, him running the ball around just keeps the clock going. And he wasn't able to get anything going in the passing attack, so they kind of just let it happen. But overall, this is a terrible game to end off on and definitely not something Justin Fields fans wanted to see as he was wrapping up the season. All right. Um, before we get into team scheme projection, speed run P.J. Walker um, really quickly. Um, he got a couple of games or three to four games where he was in low volume uh, or coming off the bench type of thing. All of those he played poorly. Put the ball in harm's way a total of six times in the four games that he didn't throw that many passes. Um, he does have an absolutely exceptional game against Tampa Bay where he made explosive play after explosive play in the limited passes that he did have. Um, this kind of carrying his season to kind of average status. And then against Atlanta, he has one of the best throws I've ever seen in my life um, at the end of the game where he just kind of chucks it up, um, to DJ Moore in double coverage and just beats both defenders, drops it out of out of the sky, out of a helicopter uh, for game-winning touchdown. So solid game overall just because of that one throw um, in that one. Um, yeah, just very much a mixed bag. When he was asked to do more, he did a little bit better, but um, 
when he was asked to do less, he kind of shot himself in the foot with some horrible mistakes. Yeah, that throw that P.J. Walker had to D.J. Moore might have been one of the best throws of the entire NFL season. And I know that's kind of ridiculous to say when it's P.J. Walker, but, man, that was beautiful. And he dropped that right in the bread basket. And you said game-winning, I believe. That was a game-tying touchdown, and the Falcons still ended up winning that. So tough luck for P.J. Walker there. But aside from that game and, I guess, a pretty solid performance in the Tampa Bay game, uh, there's really nothing much more I saw from P.J. Walker. He's someone that takes way too many sacks and puts the ball in harm's way way too much. Uh, his accuracy simply isn't there at an NFL level when he's attacking downfield or uh, intermediate range. And it's some definitely something you he can do. I mean, like with that DJ Moore pass, we saw him do it. But I just don't see him being able to do this consistently. All right. So let's talk about team and scheme and how Justin Fields fits with that. So um, the Bears have made some significant upgrades over the offseason. Um mm-hmm. They've added Darnell Wright on the right side, um, rookie right tackle, but we'll we'll kind of see how it goes. Um, I think overall the theme of the offensive line is so much better right now than it was last year. A little bit of a mishmash last year. This year you could see some really strong run blockers um, with Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins. I really like how that fits with Fields. Um, and then in the passing game uh, for the receivers, I love DJ Moore. With Justin Fields, I think DJ Moore has an extremely good explosive element down the field that Fields can completely take advantage of. Um, same with Darnell Mooney. He has some more intermediate game to him um, than DJ Moore um, in terms of the way that they kind of split their targets. Um, and then Chase Claypool. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a big Chase Claypool guy, but um, if there's something that he can do, it's uh, go up and win 50-50 balls once every like five passes. So um, yeah, that's, that's something there. Um, and then in terms of the run game um, with Khalil Herbert, um, Deontay Foreman. I think those are additive pieces. Um, also drafting Roshan Johnson, who I like. Um, that that makes a, a good um, dynamic option threat type of thing that um, Fields can play off of. And Cole Komet uh, and Robert Tunyon, just kind of solid guys to uh, utilize off um, underneath type passes. So um, I, I definitely see a vision here. Um, the, the, the Bears look like they're going to go to something that's – very run heavy where Fields is kind of the third running back um, with Foreman and, and Herbert um, and or maybe fourth with, with Roshan Johnson mixed in there as well. And they're going to have a ton of play action where they push the ball down the field aggressively um, in lower sample or lower volume for, for Fields as a passer, um, kind of looking for a low volume, high efficiency type of attack um, in the passing game to complement their explosive run game um, that can also pick up uh, shorter yardage in uh, when it's needed. Um, so I really like the vision of the Bears here. I think it just kind of comes down to how well Justin Fields can execute that. Yeah, I also applaud the Bears massively for this offseason because they really committed to building a team around Justin Fields, and a lot of front offices are not able to do that. They spent a lot of assets and a lot of draft picks for not only getting him weapons and protection. So I applaud them for that, but I think the Bears' offensive just unit overall last year was so depleted that even with the additions, it's still maybe at a little bit of a – disadvantage talent level wise but I like the fit of a lot of the pieces they got 
around Justin Fields. I also think Justin Fields and DJ Moore are going to be an absolutely amazing fit. DJ Moore being one of the most explosive and best route runners in the league. I think that's going to be great for Justin Fields, who, like we said, is great at finding open guys. It's something he's been able to do since Ohio State. If you have open receivers and you got two guys in both Moore and Darnell Mooney, who are absolutely amazing route runners, create a ton of separation, very quick, and able to get a lot of yards after the catch. Those are guys you're going to want around Justin Fields because he's someone who can get out there and make a play and get you, uh, get your receiver the ball in space. As he progresses, hopefully he can be more of a playmaker out of structure as well. And then as far as uh, just variety in the receiver core, we still see it in a guy like Chase Claypool and St. Brown as well. I think those are two, both two bigger receivers with a lot higher catch radius will be able to just go up and get passes whenever Justin Fields is a little bit uh, in trouble and needs to just throw it up to someone. And I am a firm believer that Chase Claypool was, they spent way too much to get him and he definitely should not have gone for that. But it's, I guess it's still cool that they're pairing him with what they consider his talent. And he's definitely a much different receiver to a DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney. And I like the fact that they have a bunch of people who are like with very, very varying talent. And I think them obviously bringing in Robert Tanyan and having Cole Clement there, I, I've said many times, like a tight end is a young quarterback's best friend. And when you have two guys who have proven for multiple years that they can be good receiving threats in this offense, I think that's going to be huge for Justin Fields, two big targets. And we did say that he struggles a lot with finding receivers in the open in the middle of the field. That's just something that hasn't developed fully in his game yet and something he's still learning. And when you have two massive targets in the middle of the field that he can go to at any time, that's going to help him with that as well. Uh, I also agree that the offensive line uh, uh, improvements are going to help him a lot. I mean, we saw how many times he was sacked last year. Obviously, part of, part of it was his fault and him trying to do too much. But when you have a lot of sacks, it's always going to partially be that offensive line's fault. And the Bears' offensive line last year was no exception. And when you bring in guys like Braxton Jones, Darnell Light, Nut Wrights, shoring up the tackles and just have a lot more talent on this, uh, offensive line, you're going to give Justin Fields a lot more opportunity to su- succeed. Uh, I still think their offensive line could be a little bit more improved. There may be a guard or a center upgrade a- away from being like an elite level offensive line around Justin Fields, but definitely a step in the right direction from last year. The one thing that I'm a, a little bit concerned about is that running back room. I know you like Roshan Johnson, but I think overall they lack a lot of talent and they lack a lot of skill sets in running backs that you could use with Justin Fields. I think when you have someone like Justin Fields in the backfield that can do so much with his own legs, you want a lot more shifty running backs who can also you know, break the edge and the defense is completely wide open at this point because they don't know who's going to get the ball and who's going to try to attack the edge on them. And I feel like the Bears just have a bunch of power running backs with not a whole lot of talent on the team right now uh, with Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert. Uh, I just don't see them necessarily fitting in with Justin Fields. And I think when you have a quarterback like Fields who's going to run a lot, 
you were going to have a run-based offense and you need a good running back. And I think they maybe should have kept David Montgomery around because I think he was honestly a solid fit with Justin Fields. They were pairing well together last year. Uh, I'm not really sure what happened there. Maybe it was a money issue, but uh, that's the only weakness. I think overall they've made a huge step in the right direction and Fields will fit in well in this system. Actually, I kind of like Khalil Herbert. Maybe he's like more of an efficiency type over volume and um, it's kind of a yeah. reason to have concern, but um, I think he's a, he's a pretty good player in the snaps that he gets. Um, one thing before we move to projection, um, I wanted to talk about the dot of the receivers for the Bears. So last year, in terms of average depth of target, so how far th- their quarterbacks were throwing to them past the line of scrimmage, DJ Moore was tied for 15th. Um, and then we look at Darnell Mooney, Mooney is also up here at 36th, and then Claypool is also up there at 60th. And this is for guys who have at least 37 targets, um, and that's out of 142 guys. So everyone in the top half, um, and a lot of them kind of closer to the top. So you can clearly see the the thematic elements here of a really deep passing game. Um, and I, I think the way that they've structured their offensive line Leads me to believe it's going to be more of a run-heavy offense again. Um, all right, yeah, so let's you talk. Can definitely about- see they had a direction in what they were going, and there was a lot of teams we've talked about recently who you clearly definitely couldn't see a clear direction in what they were trying to do. Yeah, scheme scheme fit is extremely important for maximizing these players, and, and they definitely do that. All right, so let's talk about a projection for this year, the juicy stuff. So for Justin Fields, I think that. Um, his median outcome is something like um, an, something between average to below average starter. Um, I think that he has pretty significant limitations at this point with his timing and the way that he sees the field. And I think that um, he needs to make a pretty significant jump if he wants to even be average in the dropback game. Um, in terms of the way that the scheme could hide it, um, that's why I kind of want to be a little bit nicer to the higher end outcomes. So for 75th percentile outcomes, I'm going to be extremely liberal and say it's closer to like a top 10 type quarterback um, for 75th percentile outcome. Um, And I think that him having like a really heavy play action scheme um, and being able to continue to push the ball down the field would do a great deal for him. Um, And he could kind of function in like, the role that we've looked at for like Ryan Tannehill in the past, um, not to that level because of the accuracy difference probably, but um, that kind of like the Jared Goff type of role. Um, again, not not to that level because of the accuracy difference, but um, it doesn't really need to get there because of because of the rushing that he adds over those two. So um, that's kind of what I'm looking at for the 75th percentile outcome. And for the 100th percentile outcome, he looks like a fringe top five type quarterback where the accuracy that we saw at Ohio State, completely returns. Um, he makes the, the jump to kind of okay in terms of his timing, um, and the play action scheme really suits him. And his his rushing kind of stays from last year. On the other hand, I see some very low end outcomes for him because, like what we've seen um, with the timing and, and the accuracy and stuff like that, um, if that doesn't really get better, um, he will continue to look like the way that he did last year, which is to me like a low end fringe backup type of type of thing. Um, where even though there's some explosive run elements here, the passing is just not starter level and the, the rushing is not going to get that up to being really great. 
Um, and then the zeroth percentile outcome is like where his passing kind of regresses um, and his timing and accuracy get even worse uh, for whatever reason. And the rushing being that it's a lot based on explosive plays that falls off to more closer to normal levels. And he just kind of becomes like a backup level guy. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said because I think we view Justin Fields as a quarterback and a prospect right now pretty similarly. And I, for many of the same reasons, have where he could be all over the place right now. I mean, I typically have had with younger quarterbacks a pretty wide range of where they could be. But I think with how volatile Justin Fields' game is, I think he's even more of a boomer bust kind of guy and where he could be at the end of the season than most other quarterbacks. I think his median level outcome will be an average to slightly below average quarterback, maybe in that something like 16 to 19 range, purely because I also agree that I don't think his passing game is nearly as developed as it needs to be. And he definitely is not a traditional passer. I don't think he ever will be. But I think that part of his game definitely needs to develop to a certain extent if he wants to be an elite level passer and right now I just feel confident in him passing the ball consistently off bootlegs in play action in general you know quick screens RPOs those sort of concepts but I don't think I trust him to drop back in the pocket take five steps seven steps and deliver a strike whether it's in the intermediate range or downfield I do see him taking a step in the playmaking game because I do like his feel for the game. And I think as he progresses and plays more and more, he's going to be able to make those kind of out of structures plays more often. Uh, He's capable of that and hasn't really had to do it at Ohio State or early in his career at the Bears. But I think that's definitely something he can do more of. Uh, But he'll be average to slightly below average at all in his medium outcome purely because of, you know, how limited he is as a traditional passer. Uh, Now the high end outcome for him, I also think he can push for top top 10, maybe in that, be in that top 10 to 12 range, because I could see him start to put things together as a passer. I mean, we saw glimpses of that. Uh, For example, that last Packers game towards the end of the season, we did see him be able to kind of do that. We do know he's able to hit people in stride downfield with accuracy. He is able to attack that intermediate range and downfield even because he just simply has the arm strength to be able to do that. It's just does he have the accuracy and the timing and the patience to be able to deliver that. But if some of that can kind of come together, and especially with this new and improved Bears offense, there's definitely a situation where that can can come together, and that's why my high-level outcome for him is that range. And on the lower end, I could th- see things going pretty poorly for him because we've seen many, many quarterbacks, huge high-level por- quarterbacks come into the league who are heavily reliant on their legs. And when teams figure out how to stop that, things go poorly for them. And we saw a couple of times last season where – Fields was limited in his rushing attack. He simply just wasn't a huge factor in the game overall. And that's definitely worrying for me. And I think his rushing ability is always going to put him in at least a starting caliber because that's how much value he adds to the game purely from that factor. But if his passing game does not develop much from where it is last year and he's still having games where he's going like, 
33% completion because he's sailing balls and like throwing balls into the dirt. If the pressure is getting to him and his mechanics are all out of whack, I could see him fall to being a low level starter somewhere in that like 25 to 30 range at the worst. All right. Quick touch on PJ Walker before we get into, or PJ Walker and Nathan Peterman before we get into the Patriots. Um, Peter Walker, kind of a lower-end backup to me in his medium. High-end outcome, he looks kind of like a solid to higher-end backup um, if what we saw in those few games that he was asked to do a lot more is real. Um, and if the stuff that he did in the lower-volume games is more of the real stuff, um, he looks more like a third-stringer. Nathan Peterman, kind of a meme, but um, I think he is like a solid third-stringer type. Um, in his high-end, he can be like a fringe backup, and his lower-end, he's not not good at all. Yeah, to me, P.J. Walker is also pretty low-level backup at this point. I think he good backups are people who you can trust to start a couple games here and there in spots, and no matter what the situation, you can throw him in and he can put in a shift. And I just don't see P.J. Walker becoming that type of guy next season. And for that reason, he's a low-level backup to me who in his low end could even fall to a third string. And I guess if he plays well in spots where Justin Fields gets hurt, because he will almost inevitably get hurt, uh, if he plays well in those spots here and there, he could jump to like a mid to high level backup. And I guess I'm not quite as high on Nathan Peterman as you are, because to me he's a low level third string quarterback. Uh, I just really don't see much positives to his game. And it's not really because of the meme, because he isn't the type of turnover-worthy quarterback that we saw in that one dreaded game that he had back in the day. But I still just don't see much positive to his game overall. His accuracy is just not there. I don't think he reads defenses at a great level. And for that, I think he's a low-level third string who's probably fighting for his spot on an NFL team. All right, so let's move on to the New England Patriots and, and Mac Jones. And Mac Jones. Let's start off with Mac Jones. So um, let's quickly touch on Mac Jones' game before we get into the game-by-game breakdown. So Mac Jones, very strong accuracy. Um, I would say pushing elite at times. Um, he's more in the very good category probably overall for his career. Um, and he does have a very good sense of timing, does understand um where to go with the ball in, in most situations. Um, doesn't do a good job balancing um, aggression with patience to me. And it's kind of the feel in that area is lacking. Um, he does make up for it with great feel of what, what type of throw to make. Um, but he is lacking in terms of um, the actual arm talent that he has. Um, I also don't like his feel as a scrambler outside of the pocket. I don't think he does a good job um, being a playmaker. But when he does uh, scramble, I don't think he's slow per se. Um, it's just the timing of when he scrambles and when he doesn't is is not that good. Um, so that kind of lends itself to a package of just okay. But I, I see some significant potential here because of the tools that he has as a dropback passer. Um, and we'll kind of get into that with the high-end outcome talk. But I don't think that his rookie season was a fluke or anything. I thought... Um, for, for both of these quarterbacks, the situations that they played in last year was was absolutely horrendous, and it's mm-hmm. it's very much apparent on a game-by-game basis with Mac Jones. And I think that restoring some some sort of sanity with a solid offensive coordinator in Bill O'Brien will do him a lot of good. But maybe I'm getting a little too ahead of myself um, with the projection talk. What do you have to say on Mac Jones before we get in? 
yeah, before we get into his season, I think Mac Jones is a very, very interesting prospect at this point because a lot of people kind of labeled him as the, you know, game manager type that's going to come in right away as rookie and be able to be an NFL starting quarterback. And he even outperformed his initial projections and became a good starter, I'd say, early on in his rookie year. But what most people said, and something I even said coming into the season on our uh, start of the season podcast, is you sim- we simply don't have a high opinion of Mac Jones because I don't see him furthering his game much more from what it is right now. I think where he is is kind of close to his ceiling. And granted, he could improve in the future, but that's kind of what we saw in his second year. Obviously, the situation was terrible, but he, at worst, was at a similar level to last year. Most people would probably say he took a little bit of a step back, and I think that had definitely mostly to do with situation, but I also think it was also uh, defenses figuring him out a little bit with more film on him. Uh, he is one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league. That's definitely a huge strong suit of his, as well as things like anticipation and being able to uh, the, uh, read defenses in the right way and throw it in the right spot. I think those are all positives of Mac Jones' game, and he's really good at that. He will continue to be good at that. But I think certain traits are just ultimately going to end up holding him back. I think one issue that came about last year was he simply made too many mistakes for his kind of role as a player. He just isn't the type of player who's going to make a bunch of uh, like game-changing plays in order to make up for those turnovers, and that was definitely a big issue for me. Uh, another thing that you touched on that's a bit of a point of concern is his mobility or lack thereof and I do think it's kind of overrated how unathletic he is he definitely is like a solid athlete but I don't think it's something to an extent where we'll see him ever develop into a playmaker ever develop into someone who can avoid sacks at a high rate I think that was another issue with him last year is him taking way too much pressure and dealing with way too many sacks because he's just a little bit immobile and I think with a player of his caliber of accuracy, but at the same time in athleticism, the way to be an effective NFL quarterback is just consistently being able to dink and dunk your way downfield and really mentally abuse defenses. And I just don't think his processing is at the level of doing that. Yeah, I don't think he's exceptionally gifted as an athlete in terms of like short area quickness. That's something that I think... Um, we'll talk, or I'm, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, but, um, when I talk about ceiling, it'll, it'll come up because I think improving right. his shape would do him a lot of good as a playmaker from the standpoint of, um, making people miss in the pocket and then pushing the ball down the field. So, um, I, I've talked too much about, um, his game and, and the projection that, uh, we're going to yeah. talk about at the let's end. Dive into his season. So let's talk about the season. Yeah. Um, so first game against Miami immediately like right off the bat you can see how horrible the offense is um because uh, mac jones doesn't play a bad game in my opinion he makes some really solid throws um one exceptional throw down the left sideline later in the game um uh but the offense just couldn't really get going at all because of the horrible stuff that's going on with the receivers um so yeah i thought he was okay um but i didn't think that he played exceptionally well because there's a significant cap on 
on the way he could play because of the offense. Yeah, I'd have to agree with what a lot of what you said because I didn't think he was particularly inaccurate or just when he was passing the ball. It seemed like he was always putting it in the right places, going to where he could. But with the receiving core and talent he had around him, he simply wasn't getting any receivers who were like getting even a little bit of separation. I think he had a couple of instances where Jacoby Myers was maybe getting a bit of separation, but overall his receivers are getting locked up and he kind of had to throw people open. And I don't think he's quite good enough yet to be able to do that at a consistent level. And that's why you see his stats in this one being kind of mid because he was trying to do what he could with his act with him throwing people open. But he just, I just don't think that's something he can do at a high level. Uh, You see the pressure and sacks come into play a little bit. He takes two sacks in this one, and I think he was under pressure a lot more than those two sacks show. He's He seemed to be a little bit uncomfortable in that against that Dolphins defense. Uh, he does have that one interception, which I do believe was his fault. Uh, I think it came as a result of him just being a little flustered and trying to throw the ball and make something happen, and he just didn't couldn't make th- things happen. Uh, the offense just seemed a little bit clogged and locked up purely because there were no playmakers to create space for Mac Jones and just open things up for the rest of the offense. So I'd say average to maybe slightly below average performance here for him. All right, moving on to the next one against Pittsburgh. So this one was pretty poor performance for me. Um, and there's some box score numbers that look a little bit better than the previous game, but I think they're masking how, how he played because he put the ball in harm's way twice for one dropped interception. Um, good that he didn't take any sacks despite being under pressure a lot, but um, those two dropped interceptions combined with um, a little bit attributable attributable to the offense, the way that he couldn't push the ball down the field. But um, yeah, I didn't think that he made up for it with explosive plays. Yeah, completely agreed there. I think he did do a much better job against a much better defense in dealing with pressure. Uh, and I'm not quite sure how that played out because the Steelers are normally very good at getting after quarterbacks, but he did do a good job there. But the kind of goodness in this game for him stops there. I also think he made way too many mistakes in this one. For a player like him, two turnover-worthy plays is way too much for a guy who prides himself on accuracy and being able to, you know, not – well, essentially not turn the ball over. And if he's – turning the ball over, a lot of his positives in his games goes away. And I think his accuracy was also an issue in this game, which simply can't be the case for a guy like him. And once again, I will point out the fact that his receivers were not getting a whole lot of separation. Uh, He didn't have a whole lot of talent around him. But I also think he wasn't spreading the ball out. I mean, when you have 35 pass attempts, you can't have only two receivers who were targeted more than two times. It's just that's too big of an issue. He can't be zoning in on a couple of guys. Uh, And I think that's what ends up hurting him in the long run here. So pretty poor performance for me. All right, moving on to the next one. So again, I think the box score is lying because the three interceptions that he threw, um, a number of them were his fault. Um, And I I do think he has four turnover he plays. So he has another dropped interception. So he'd be like, oh, why are you so high on this game? Um, but that's because he was making a ton of impressive throws um, just over and over again, pushing the ball down the field in tight windows to Devontae Parker, especially I thought he had a great, a great amount of impact in this game. Uh, um, doesn't really um, 
he doesn't really deal with pressure poorly, in my opinion. The three sacks that he took um, were more attributable, attributable to the offensive line. Um, and I think he did a really good job making up for those three or four interceptable passes that he threw, um, which which sounds a little weird. But, um, yeah, the, the number of explosive plays that he was making um, was really impressive to me. Yeah, for me, I'm a little bit less optimistic than you are about this one because I still think those mistakes that he made are just too much to overcome. And granted, he did have a lot more explosive and crazy throws than he did in this game than pretty much most of his other performances. But I think when you have something like four turnover-worthy plays, that is an incredibly tough hill to climb up from. And when you pair that with the three sacks he took and the pressure he was constantly under, I think it's going to take a lot to like flip that and make that a good performance. And even though he did a lot, I still don't think it was enough. And I think that's why they ended up losing this game because they were in a good position for a while. But when the turnover started piling up and those turnover-worthy plays started to become an issue, that's when the Ravens were able to pull away and really take this game. And to me, that's where the issue lies with Mac Jones. Even if he is able to kind of make up for those mistakes, it's still not enough for the whole team to come back and win the game. But on the positive side, though, his accuracy looked the best it had been throughout this entire season up till this point. He was finally getting some sort of connection with his receivers. Like PD mentioned, him and Devontae Parker seem to have a really good connection in this one. And I, I, another thing I do have to say about this game, I feel like a lot of the success that came on the passing uh, front in this game came from Devontae Parker kind of just going up there and snagging balls uh, from defenders. I mean, Devontae Parker is not the type of guy who's going to get a whole lot of separation. And Mac Jones did just throw it up there. And Devontae Parker did do a lot of the lifting there. So I feel like his numbers got a little bit inflated from there as well. Overall, I think the mistakes drag him down to being a decent performance. Yeah, I, I, I should rephrase that. I think it is kind of average um, in general. Um, one thing that I uh, didn't mention, he got a pretty severe ankle injury in this one. Had to be helped off the field. And he ends up missing uh, a bunch of time um, the next three games. Um, and let's let's speed run through these first three Bailey Zappi games. Um, so against Green Bay, Rough performance, put the ball at harm's way for a dropped interception, an ugly fumble. Um, they kept the ball uh, close to the line of scrimmage in the passing attack, um, so he didn't really have a high ceiling there. Um, and then against Detroit and Cleveland, just okay-ish games, um, put the ball in the ground for another fumble against Detroit, and the interception that he threw wasn't really his fault, in my opinion. Um, but generally, those two games against Detroit and Cleveland, he was pretty solid in terms of accuracy got the ball out um, where it needed to go, um, and was just okay for those. Yeah, one thing I want to bring up about Bailey Zappi that I think was kind of ridiculous even happened. Uh, I keep seeing like these backups come in who are clearly a step down from the starter. I think this was a perfect example, as well as uh, I forget who backed up Dak Prescott off the top of my head, uh, but even him coming in and he was uh, – a winner right away. I think it's kind of ridiculous when people just immediately campaign for them to be the starter, for them to take over because they won a couple of games or maybe their box score stats look good. Cause even though Bailey Zappi did put up like solid performances in terms of the numbers, 
it really, really, if you watch the games, was not anything particularly, like, impressive. And granted, I will say it is cool that he's able to, he was able to make do with what Max Jones, I guess, to this point uh, in this season, didn't necessarily make do with uh, in terms of the talent around him. However, the game plan was completely different. They trust Mac Jones to do a lot more, and Bailey Zappi was pretty limited in this game. But granted, for who he is, for what he was asked to do, uh, and come in and be a backup and put in a couple of solid performances, give them an opportunity to win, and even in a couple of those games, take the win, I think he did a great job in his role. All right. Um, so let's go to the Week 7 game where Mac Jones quote-unquote returns. Uh, this is the matchup with Justin Fields, interestingly enough. Um, and they just mix and match quarterbacks, kind of. Um, yeah. Mac Jones gets benched after throwing a pretty ugly interception. That th- I think there was some controversy that this one hit the wire, um, and, and um, it was later disproved, I think. But um, uh, Mac Jones gets benched after throwing a pretty bad interception. Uh, Bailey Zappi comes in, throws some pretty horrible passes that end up being caught, um, and then eventually falls back down to earth when he has an ugly fumble um, and throws two interceptions, one of them being his fault. Um, so, yeah, rough game to watch for both quarterbacks, um, and I don't know why Mac Jones was benched in this one. It was I, I really don't get it. Yeah, this was a very rare, stupid mistake by Bill Belichick or whoever's in the the, the decision-making department here in pulling Mac Jones. When you have your franchise quarterback come back from injury after a decent bit of time missed, obviously you're going to expect him to take a little bit of time before he finally gets into the groove of things. And when you yank him away after only six passes, it's really, really ridiculous because – you're, sh- sh- you're shooting his confidence down completely. Now you, the, he, he's thinking this. he sees this backup come in and take his role out of nowhere after he's only had maybe a drive or two. And then after that, Zappi comes in and has a terrible performance too. I think in this, this is a very, very winnable game if they had Max Jones at the helm. And they just need to give him a little bit of time to get back into the groove of things. And they yank him way, way too early for a guy who simply has not proven himself to the extent. And maybe there is something going on behind the scenes. Maybe Mac Jones didn't feel comfortable in his injury to come back this game and after playing on it a bit needed more time to rest. But if the reason for him being pulled was purely a football decision, I think this was really, really stupid. And I don't understand what happened. All right, so Mac Jones returns um, in the next game against the Jets, and yeah, this one was a rough performance for him. Um, put the ball home three twice or three times, um, one fumble um, with two interceptable passes, one of them being caught. Um, took six sacks in this one. Um, Jets defense pretty ferocious, but I definitely thought he could have played better. Um, the accuracy was the only thing really being the saving grace, um, and yeah, just. Just a really ugly performance from the offense overall. Yeah, there's nothing much more I can say to defend Mac Jones here. He pretty much fell in all the pitfalls I talked about that are holes in his game uh, in this one. And granted, again, this was his return game because of how they pulled him in the last game. So it is going to take him time after a month off to get back to 
where he was before, but it seems like he had taken a massive step back, almost to the point where he was at the start of the year. He was going back to that Mac Jones who was just under pressure the entire game and looked rattled, was taking sacks left and right, getting sacked six times was pretty ridiculous. And I guess his accuracy was solid, but if you look at what passes he was making, you can see why his accuracy was the way it was. I mean, pretty much all of his passes felt like checkdowns to either Ramondre Stevenson or was just dumping it off on a drag or a screen or something to Jacoby Myers. He wasn't really targeting anybody else this game. And it seemed like the Patriots simply didn't trust him to do any more than that. And then that interception as well was a pretty big mistake, in my opinion. I think that almost costed them the game there because simple swings like that could be the defining factor in these close divisional matchups. But Zach Wilson throwing three pretty terrible interceptions definitely helped the Patriots out in that regard. But yeah, definitely a rough return for Mac. All right, moving on to the next one against the Colts. This one, again, very, very ugly performance, in my opinion, in the box court, not really telling the full story. Uh, put the ball in harm's way for an interceptable pass that wasn't caught. And this one, they were really keeping the ball close to the line of scrimmage. And his accuracy was still not to the standard that it was in the previous game, in my opinion. Um, and again, a number of sacks really holding back the offense. Um, again, tough to watch for uh, as a performance for the offense again. Yeah, this was kind of a offensive disaster class of a game because obviously I think everyone can see the Colts offense was pretty atrocious in this one. But people kind of seem to forget how bad the Patriots offense was in this one. And I guess it's because they were the better of the two teams, but it still wasn't really anything functioning for them either. I mean, once again, you see him take four sacks and he seemed to be under pressure all games Mac Jones was. And again, it comes down to that immobility, his lack of awareness in the pocket to avoid those sacks, and I guess lack of athleticism as well to do the to do so. He once again was only really targeting a couple of receivers here and there, and most of those targets were very, very shallow targets. He wasn't even thinking about going downfield. And like I said, when you have a guy like Mac Jones, you're going to need to nickel and dime in that intermediate range and really kill people in that range if you want with your lack of arm talent and your lack of athleticism to be an effective NFL quarterback. And when he's not even attempting to attack even bad defenses like the Colts defense in that regard, it's definitely, definitely a place to worry about. And once again, his accuracy wasn't at the level it should have been even though he was making pretty easy passes throughout this game, he was still missing some of them. And again, he once again looked shook. Something about that injury clearly changed this game. And at this point, he had not returned to the Mac Jones we expect to see. All right, moving on to the next game. After the bye, they come back against the Jets. And again, keeping the ball very close to the line of scrimmage. Um, and <laughs> Mac Jones taking a ton of sacks in this one. Yep. Um his completion percentage very high uh, because his accuracy on those short passes was good. Um, and I thought that the offensive line was absolutely atrocious, but um, I can't not fault him for some of the sacks that he took. So this one ends up just being mediocre at best for me. 
yeah, to me, honestly, I don't even know if I would give him mediocre because even though if you just look at the stat sheet purely and look at his game, it may not look that bad. Uh, it was a pretty poor performance because it seems like Mac Jones has just completely lost his confidence. Either Mac Jones has lost it or the coaching staff and the play calling had completely lost faith in him because it looked like he was matching Zach Wilson almost in the type of game plan he was trying to run. Obviously, a much more accurate version, but they weren't even thinking about going any more than like 10 to 15 yards downfield in the air. He was once again getting sacked all game, seemed like he was under pressure all game. But I, the biggest issue here is he simply can't be an effective quarterback if he's going to chuck it, check it down like, 24-7. That's just not something that can be a integral part of his game. He's trying to throw the ball like a Justin Fields without the rushing rushing abilities of Justin Fields. And when you don't have that extra playmaking factor and you're just dumping the ball off all game, you're going to lead to offensive performances that where you score 10 points against a I guess it was a solid Jets defense at this point, but still 10 points in this game and keeping it close versus a bad Jets team led by Zach Wilson here is definitely not what you want. And very, very worrying performance for Mac Jones. All right. Um, next game, or let's move on to the next game. This one, an absolute masterclass. Uh, honestly, undeniable to me. He was absolutely incredible in this one. And the deep throws that he was ma- he were he was making were were actually very impressive to me. Um, didn't put the ball in harm's way at all this game. Was very accurate. Was aggressive pushing the ball down the field when he could. Um, and he was successful on those attempts. Um, does take three sacks, but I think it's greatly outweighed by the the positives that he was generating in the passing game. Yeah, all I can say about this game is finally, man, because I had been waiting all year to see a performance like this from Mac Jones, and he finally, finally delivered. And I don't know if I'd go as far as calling this a masterclass or something of that caliber, but this was a very, very, very good performance, and he absolutely lit up this Vikings defense. He was hitting deep throw left and right. He was spreading the ball out to pretty much everybody in his receiving team. Almost everyone got a pretty big play here, and I do think this this was a big result of the Vikings' defense being kind of lackluster at this point in the year. The back half of their defense was pretty bad, and Mac Jones had you know people open in space all day, but he was able to deliver, and he was able to deliver with the accuracy we expect out of Mac Jones. And you see him throw a lot more yards than he has in many of his previous games. It's because he actually had the balls in this game to go downfield and actually challenge the defense, not simply just check it down. And the most impressive part of this performance to me was how bad the run game was. Usually Mac Jones is the kind of guy who does need to work a little bit off the play action to open up the defense for him because him and his legs and his athleticism is not going to do that for him. But in this one, it didn't matter. He was so accurate and was playing with so much elite anticipation that it simply didn't matter what the rushing attack was doing. Uh, He was absolutely dominating this. The only issue I guess I had a little bit was he did fumble one ball, but he got it back, I believe. So I'm not even harping on that too much. Uh, I guess another issue was him taking a couple of sacks, but if if you're going to play the way he did, that also doesn't matter too much. 
All right, moving on to the next game. Um, this one against Buffalo, and they're very much overmatched. Um, Max accuracy looks much worse in this game. Um, puts the ball in harm's way twice. Neither of them end up as interceptions. So box score lying a little bit in terms of the ball security, but um, I thought this was a pretty rough performance overall. Um, and the Patriots offense, again, doesn't really have that explosive element pushing the ball down the field. Um, and yeah, just, just a tough performance. This was definitely a hard spot to be in off a short week. I believe this was a Thursday night game. Uh, I think it, uh, even though it was at home against a very, very good Bills team and very, very good Bills defense with the elite pass rush, this was a very hard spot for Mac Jones to be in, and he definitely did not rise to the occasion. The one thing I will give him as a positive before I talk about the negatives is he did do a great job of dealing with the pressure from the Bills. They're all obviously a huge blitzing team with a really good front seven. And it seemed like he was a little bit more comfortable in the pocket in this one. But I will say it's probably because he went back to the Mac Jones of a couple weeks ago where he was just checking the ball all down all game. And when you're checking the ball down all game, you're not going to get pressured a whole lot. And the issue with that was even though he was going short for a majority of this game, his accuracy still was not at a good level. It was still pretty pretty bad for Mac Jones standards. And especially when he's it's not the Mac Jones that is attacking deep in the field. And maybe this had something to do with the short week, but it just didn't look like the Patriots offense came to play. They were very clearly overmatched. All of their best skill positions were locked up by the Bills uh, secondary all game. The only real big positive play they had passing was a schemed pass to Marcus Jones that Mac Jones did hit and inflated his stats a little bit for sure, but it definitely wasn't him making a play. Overall, Mac Jones disappointed me heavily in this game. All right, moving on to the next one against the Cardinals. So, Cardinals very bad team, um, but yeah, I think Mac Jones played very well in this one. Um, the interception that he had was bad luck, in my opinion, and he played a really solid game in terms of taking the short underneath passes for a number of uh, plays in the game, and then when the defense um, gave him the chance to push the ball down the field, he did those successfully and. Um, this is an example of the way that the Patriots want to play actually working um, because they completely limited the pressure that he was taking. Um, only was pressured on seven dropbacks in this one by my tracking um, and took one sack. So very, very strong performance in terms of um, being safe and secure. Um, and yeah, I thought he played a solid game this one. Yeah, although I agree with you on some of the improvements he made in this game that he did pretty well on, I won't go as far as saying he played very well. I would say this was probably like an average performance for me. Uh, And I'll start with the good things he did do in this game. Once again, he did a great job of not facing a lot of pressure. And I will say that's probably because this Cardinals front seven was pretty atrocious. And they weren't really getting pressure on anybody. That was a huge point of concern for them in this offseason is getting people who could get after the quarterback. And that's probably why Mac Jones was so, like, spotless this game. Uh, However, still props to him for being able to deal with the pressure well in this game. Also, he didn't make any mistakes, like PD pointed out. That interception, I'd also agree, wasn't really his fault. 
So he did a good job of staying away from the defense, essentially. Uh, but I'll still say he disappointed me in terms of attacking this Cardinals defense. Like I said, this was a really bad Cardinals defense, which most quarterbacks just put up master classes up against because there's really no playmakers to stop you on that offense. And I really didn't think he was consistently beating this Cardinals defense. He was did a great job of staying in the structure and making the short, quick throws and probably keeping the chains moving and getting scores. But there are no plays that particularly impressed me. There are maybe one explosive play. It was that one to Hunter Henry. But aside from that, it was all pretty mediocre plays. He didn't really impress me in any of the throws he was making. He just kind of did his job for me. And for that reason, he's it was an average performance. All right, moving on to the next one against the Raiders. So this one, really rough performance to watch. Um, I, I didn't think he played absolutely horrible because there are a couple of explosive plays that he made that were pretty solid. And he was pushing the ball down the field in general, but the receivers were absolutely not up to the task. Um, he did take very little pressure, um, but I mean, like the accuracy, consistency in the passing game, just absolutely really not there. Yeah, this was just another one of those games where that Patriots team simply did not come into play, whether it was Mac Jones or that receiving core. Everyone was out of sync. The receivers were getting locked up left and right by a pretty bad Raiders team. The separation was probably one of the worst things I've seen throughout the year, and that's why you don't really see any of his receivers getting a whole lot of receptions or yards in this one. But Mac is also definitely to blame in this. Yes, some of that 13, I think that 13 for 31 number you see is a lie. I don't think it was quite that bad in terms of accuracy. But there's definitely a lot of that that was his fault as well. Some had to do with misconnect communication with his receivers or drops, but others had to do with him just not putting the ball where it needed to be. His accuracy was definitely a little bit worse than normal. And sure, he didn't make any mistakes. He didn't take any sacks. Like Those things were cool about this game for him. But that's because all day he was either just dumping the ball off or throwing it away. There was no real offense going for New England aside from the rushing game. I think he got heavily, heavily carried by the rushing game in this one. And that's really why he got any yards passing the ball in general. It was off the play action because of how good Ramondre Stevenson was. And I felt like in this game that the Patriots, like kind of like I was talking about Justin Fields earlier, they kind of went away from him because they stopped trusting him because of how poor he was in this one and how poor the uh, the passing game was as a whole. So, yeah, I did not like this performance whatsoever. All right, moving on to the next one against Cincinnati, and I thought he played really, really well. Um, he made some really impressive throws down the field, um, was a big driver in their comeback in this game, and despite the fact that he took four sacks on – not an insane amount of, well, kind of an insane amount of pressure, but he probably shouldn't have taken that many sacks still. Um, yeah, the explosive plays that he was making in this game, the extreme aggression that he showed in the attempt at the comeback. Um, yeah, I was very impressed with that. Yeah, I'm going to say finally again, because once again, after a very, very long wait, we finally see a positive Mac Jones uh, performance. And I won't lie, I've been looking forward to Mac Jones' 
making performances like this, even though I'm not the highest on him. I want him to be able to come out and be the player we see in this Bengals game consistently. And for whatever reason, uh, the inconsistency we have seen throughout his year has lowered his like abilities as a whole and what people think of him as a quarterback. Uh, but with that being said, I'll get into this game. This game, he was absolutely amazing despite a very, very bad running game, kind of the opposite of what we saw the last week. And once again, it was a result of him finally attacking that intermediate and deep range. You saw explosive plays to guys like Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, long touchdown passes to both of them as well. Uh, even though he wasn't didn't do a great job of spreading the ball out, he was finally able to find his guys. And I think he'll truly become an even more elite of a passer when he learns to be able to be this version of Mac Jones while also spreading the ball out. And he did go back to his ways of taking a whole bunch of pressure and a whole bunch of sacks, but that's just go- what you have to expect out of Mac Jones at this point. He's not the kind of guy who's going to be able to pass at a high volume and drop back consistently and not take pressure in sacks. That's just who he is. And the only reason it didn't happen the previous weeks is because he was being so conservative with his passes. And I'm glad we finally saw an aggressive Mac Jones. He came out and attacked this Bengals defense, had a very, very good fourth quarter as well. Like the the first half of this game, it was starting to look a little bit rough, kind of like those other games, but he finally pulled things together, and I was very happy with this performance. All right, moving on to these last two games of the season. So the first one against Miami, um, I thought he was okay in this one. The accuracy wasn't um, perfect in this one. He does have a number of weird plays like batted passes and a couple of drops and um, some weird miscommunications with his receivers that are masking the accuracy, but um I don't think it was elite, and then I thought that he had a dropped interception, and I think the explosive plays that he did make down the field weren't really enough to make up for the inconsistency in the offense overall. So um, one that I can definitely attribute to the offense as to why he played kind of okay, but um, yeah, that's all I can say. I thought he was okay. Yeah, I also thought he was just solid in this one. I mean, we still saw a lot of the mistakes we've seen with him throughout the year. I thought there was one turnover-worthy play in this one that he kind of got away with, and then he was still facing a whole lot of pressure, ended up getting sacked three times. So that's still a common theme that we continue to see with him. And I do think he was relatively accurate in this one. It wasn't quite Mac Jones accuracy, quite what we want out of him, but it was still good, especially for what he was dealing with. Uh, I thought the drops issue and the miscommunication issue, kind of like you hinted at PD, was a huge issue, a a huge problem in this game compared to many of the others. And that's what's going to end up holding back his completion stats as a whole. Uh, But I still just don't think he was attacking the defense nearly enough as he was in the other games. Maybe it was the vibe of the game. I mean, this is a tough divisional matchup. So maybe that's why, and the run game also wasn't as active, so the defense probably wasn't as opened up as Mac Jones would have liked. But kind of like one of the other performances I talked about earlier in the year, he kind of did his job, but he didn't do anything that highly impressed me. And for that reason, this is a solid to maybe slightly above average performance because I don't think he made too many mistakes. All right, moving on to the final game of the season. So, again, um, another game for Mac Jones where the box score is lying, in my opinion. The three interceptions, I don't think were all his fault. I thought he had 
one turnover they play in this one and the two interceptions that he had other than that were not his fault um in terms of generating explosives it wasn't really that great he had a couple of explosive plays here and there um only took one sack which was good um but just kind of a meh ish performance overall um not really doing much in the positive generating category or avoiding negatives to really um make me hugely impressed either way yeah pd i think meh is kind of the best way to put this performance because i was once again not particularly moved by his performance but it definitely didn't wasn't a red flag or worried me Uh, i would say two of those interceptions were his fault so that's definitely a big point of concern for me but i i guess the box score did lie a little bit uh as well but one one thing he did a great job of again versus the bills which is kind of surprising because the bills have one of the best pass rushes in the league and in both bills matches but both bills matchups he was pretty clean in terms of not taking a whole lot of pressure or sacks so props to him for that uh but i still think he made a bit too many mistakes for my liking with those two interceptions that i thought that were his fault uh his accuracy was good but Probably not good enough to put his team over the top in a situation like this. Just not good enough for Mac Jones standards. Uh, But I think one thing he did a really good job of in this game, and I think that's something that he's going to have to dive even more into the future. And it's what I was saying he needs to do earlier is being able to nickel and dime in that intermediate range game and just kill good defenses like this doing that. Because we know his arm's not big enough, and he know we know his playmaking and mobility is not good enough for him to consistently make high-level explosive plays. It's just not something you're going to get out of Mac Jones. If you get that out of Mac Jones, it's if a receiver absolutely smokes their defender and he just makes the right, accurate throw. But with the talent Mac Jones has around him, that's just not going to happen. So he needs to develop this, and I think he did a great job of this one. Uh, in this one in doing that but the mistakes still pull his overall game and a little bit of the lack of accuracy pull out his overall game down to about a mad to average performance all right time to do the unfun stuff um and talk about the team and scheme fit oh okay so the Patriots have added some improvements, and I don't think it's possible that their offensive line is as bad as it was last year because of extreme coaching improvements. Um, but I still think that they really lack in terms of having an explosive play threat down the field. And I guess it's possible that they go to more of a play-action heavy scheme, but without a deep threat to capitalize on that, um, I, I don't I don't really like it as much. Now, um, Devontae Parker, decent deep threat. Um, Tyquan Thornton, I guess he has potential, but we really need to like see some proof of that. And Mike Kosicki is a vertical tight end, but those three being your main deep options, like I am not a fan. And them losing Jacoby Myers as Mac Jones, um, one of his security blankets, I really don't like that much at all. Now, Bill O'Brien, he does bring some sanity to the offense, so I guess they could find a way to be like an average offense overall because of um, some decent scheme design, and Mac Jones is, is really, really good at adding to strong scheme design, so um, maybe there, there's something there with, with the synergy between the play caller and um, the player, but I don't really like the way that Mac fits with the team because – the team is just not well constructed with the receiving core, in my opinion. 
yeah, I honestly don't have much positive things to say about this Patriots offense in general. Uh, but I guess I will start with the positives. I also think this offensive line will be a bit better than what it was last year. And like you said, it's not hard to be better than where they were last year because they were pretty terrible. But I do think that pickup of Cole Strange is pretty good. I know they got a lot of slack for picking him way earlier than most people thought he should have gone. But I actually think he's a really good physical uh, lineman who I think is going to be huge for them in the running game. I still believe in Trent Brown, even though he's had maybe an off year or two, I think. I believe in that potential. I think Riley Reef may not have been the best pickup in the world for them. Uh, and... I think guys like David Andrews and Onwenu are solid guys who have been in the league for a while but aren't going to put this team over the top. So overall, if this offensive line gels together with the little bits and bobs of talent they have, it could be decent, but I really don't have high expectations for it. I think the running back room will be a lot better this year because I'm actually a really big fan of Ramondre Stevenson. I think he should have been the three-down back last year, and I think he's got the potential for that. I think giving him the reins over Damian Harris is going to be good for them. I do think they heavily, heavily lack uh, depth at the running back position in a period of time where depth at the running back position is huge, especially because the Patriots offense, for as far as I have known, has been the type to not have a kind of workhorse running back and rotate a bunch of guys with talent. Uh, who can play in spots. So I think this is going to be a huge shift for them. But regardless of that, Ramondre is a great fit for me. I think where the problem lies on this offense, and it's going to hold Mac Jones back once again, is that wide receiver room. I know you try to give them a little bit of you know, credit for guys like who may have potential, but I think we don't need to gas guys like Tyquan Thornton, Kendrick Bourne, Kayshawn Boutte, they just simply aren't guys you would want in those roles and like wide receiver three, four, five, respectively. I just don't think they're talented enough for that. I don't even think Juju at this point in time is wide receiver one. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes made him look like a wide receiver one, but I don't think he has the ability to get open regularly enough for that. I think when you put a number one corner on him consistently, he's going to need to be thrown open because he's just not an elite, elite route runner. I prefer him more after the catch. And I think as a number one, that's just tough. I think Devontae Parker at this point is washed and he's just going to get you 50-50 balls, but that's about it. And that's that's a big area of concern for me with Mac Jones. Uh, I'm probably a little bit higher on you on the tight end room, though. I think Mike Gesicki is a great fit for them. They really didn't have anybody who could take the top off over a defense. And it is kind of concerning that a tight end is going to be their speed guy to do that, but that is something he can do. And both Henry and Gesicki are guys who primarily run their routes over the middle of the field, have quick in-breaking routes for the most part, or vertical routes. And I think Mac Jones, with his lack of arm talent, that's where he's, like, that's where he excels the most is over the middle of the field. So I think having two guys he can go to is going to be very good for him. But aside from that, they have plenty of holes on this uh, offensive roster. And I think it's just going to be another bad situation for Mac Jones, but undoubtedly better than last year because last year's was awful.
All right, let's talk about the juicy stuff. So, um, Mac Jones, um, what does his median and high end and low end outcomes look like? Um, I think for me, his median outcome looks more like an average starter. I think that it's very unlikely that he looks as bad as last year with the upgrades that they made in the receiving room, albeit not huge, but um, reasonably functional. And then the gigantic scheme upgrade. It literally cannot get worse than Matt Patricia. Like, like honestly, <laughs> yeah. Unless maybe you pulled from like a high school defensive coordinator or something, but like it's it's so bad. It was so so bad. Um, and just having a level of competency there with Bill O'Brien um, will be very very much additive for Mac Jones. So um, for seventy fifth and hundred percentile outcomes, I think that at the seventy fifth percentile outcomes, we look it looks something like a natural step. Um, from what he took or from what we what he had in his rookie year so in his rookie year I thought he was something like an average to above average starter and taking a step from that he looks more like a like a top 10 type quarterback Um, and then in his very best outcomes the flashes that he had in his rookie year with like manipulating defenders pushing the ball down the field in in good spots um, and having great aggression or, or very good controlled aggression is how I would describe it in his rookie year um, if that that stuff comes back, he's going to be kind of like a Pro Bowl type quarterback in his very best outcomes. Um, and then looking at his lower end outcomes, I, I see kind of a higher floor um, with him than I do with Justin Fields. Um, and the reason for that is because I don't think that his accuracy will really go away, and his ability to just be like a baseline, like not not total idiot level processor, um, that that will also not go away in my opinion. Um, Actually, I, I want to maybe expand on the high-end outcome thing before I pass it to you. So um, in terms of his ability to to playmake and, and do things out of structure, manipulating defenders with your eyes to me is the strongest and most stable uh, form of playmaking. Um, it opens up the receiver where the defender can't really make a good play on it. Um, and hitting your receiver once you do that, I think that is the most um, the least amount of variables um, that, that you can have in a play, uh, when you're out of structure. So, um, that's, that's kind of, or it, it's, it can happen in structure too, in the context of the play, but, um, it requires some creativity, which is what I mean by like associating that without a structure. But, um, I think if that takes a jump, he has a chance to make more explosive plays down the field. Um, and with the accuracy and, um, his ability to, uh, have strong, strong ability in the RPO game and stuff like that. Um, I think that could lead to like a like a boomer bust type of attack that's that's uh, good for his skill set. So you see, normally with young quarterbacks and stuff, I have said like I can see a whole range of where they could end up being. But unlike uh, what you've been saying to me, I think Mac Jones is kind of fixed at where he is. I, I've said this since the start of last season. I think he's not the type of guy who's going to progress a whole lot more. And I, unlike PD, I think that he may be close to where his ceiling is. I think he's going to, he's definitely going to improve and he's definitely going to progress. But I just don't see the ceiling of him going into the top 10 or something like that or being become, turning into an elite level quarterback, something in his near future, or maybe even in his future at all. So for me, for that reason, I think he's going to end up at median outcome being an average level quarterback, something in the like 14 to 17 range, kind of like he was uh, last year and maybe even his first year as well. He was probably a little bit on the lower end of that last year and probably a little bit on the higher end of that uh, the year before. 
and I see him being in a very, very similar spot. And it's because I just don't think Mac Jones has the physical tools to kind of round out his game. From what I saw last year, I definitely think there's room for improvement, but I just don't see a situation where he's a consistent quarterback that's torching defenses week in, week out. I think something like his athleticism or lack thereof is something that's not going to, it's not going to change. So something like him taking pressure all the time and ruining the timing of certain plays here and there or just being unable to work out of structure at all is something that's going to hurt him heavily. And I think his knack for making mistakes is more than it needs to be. Someone like him needs to be super tidy and someone who literally never makes mistakes if he wants to be a good NFL quarterback. And I really hope he fixes that because that's the main thing that hurts most quarterbacks like him, most young quarterbacks. And right now, he's making too many mistakes for my liking. I think his arm strength is very, very limiting. I I do think he has the talent next year to be a winning team. Like I I think there are quarterbacks who have who can very well do with the receiving core and tight end group he has around him. But I don't think he's that type of guy. I think his lack of arm strength, his lack of velocity to like the sideline, uh, is just stuff that's going to end up holding him back, limiting the areas of the field he can use. And his accuracy is great. His anticipation is amazing. And that's something that's going to carry him in this league and something that's going to keep him around for a long time. But to me, you have to be at an elite level tier for in those traits if you want to be a successful quarterback just doing that. And it seems like his processing mentally just isn't there for him to become an elite level uh accuracy guy and an elite level anticipation guy because he's just not reading defenses at the level someone like a I guess a Drew Brees is someone of his mold probably to a extreme extent obviously uh but maybe even someone closer to him like a Kirk Cousins or a Dak Prescott someone closer to his level those guys they do make mistakes or they they are able to make do with not being the most athletic person in the world, but not, and not being the biggest or having the biggest arms in the world. But I do think they're very good mental quarterbacks. I, I think those two are some of the best in the league at diagnosing what your defense is and attacking exactly what that is. And when they are held back, it's because of their bodies inefficiencies or whatnot. And there are other quarterbacks who are better at, at, at just, Maybe they aren't the best at breaking down defenses, but they have the athletic ability to just kind of screw around and do what they want because, you know, they're just that guy. And if Mac Jones doesn't have either of those things, I think that's just going to be an issue for him long term. And for that reason, his median level outcome is going to be about average for me, like I said. His high level outcome is not going to be much different than that. I think if his offense plays well around him, Maybe his accuracy returns to the level of that rookie year or even better, and he is able to make do with the talent he has around him. I could see him jumping in maybe to that 11 to 14 range of quarterbacks just below the top 10, just below elite or pro bowl tier, whatever you want to call it, because I do think he has the talent to be solid. And then on the worst case, I also don't think he falls that much lower. I think his accuracy and anticipation is a trait that 
like PD said, isn't going anywhere. And that's something that's going to keep him afloat in the league, regardless of, uh, you know, things going wrong here and there. And to me, like, even though supporting cast matters, I will look at his individual performance. And I think individually, even at his worst, he will be in the 17 to 20 range at max. I don't see him being a bottom level starter whatsoever, but I, and I also agree that his floor is probably much, much higher than a guy like Justin Fields, but the ceiling being obviously much, 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 much lower. Yeah, for me, um, okay, I disagree with that last point entirely because I think um, <laughs> the, the 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 processing part for Fields is like it's 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 tough to like describe these things without without it sounding weird, but like the 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 processing for Fields is going to always be a limitation. Like he's he's mm-hmm. he's got way too much ground to make up just like Mac Jones has too much ground to make up physically. And that, that sounds kind of paradoxical because we often think of like physical tools as like they, they're, they're, they're there and you can't really improve them. But um, I, I mm-hmm. kind of don't feel that way. Um, I, I kind of talk about Mac Jones more specifically to what you said. I think it just comes down to like a philosophical difference of what can you do without great physical tools. And I kind of touched on it earlier, but if Mac mm-hmm. just kind of gets in better shape this off season and, um, adds more like quickness in his feet that would really help him with um, his playmaking inside the pocket. Like I said, he has some flashes of manipulating defenders with his eyes. So if that became more consistent, there um, is an opportunity to more, make more plays when um, there's, there's not really much there. Um, all right. Speed run of Bailey Zappi. Um, I think he's a solid backup level quarterback um, at his best. He could look like kind of like a lower end starter, um, but at his worst, he probably looks more like a lower end backup if if some of the bad games look uh, or what what it really looks like. Well, to me, Bailey Zappi, I look at him a little bit differently. I think the way you're looking at him is as overall quarterback, which I mean, obviously, is how we're gonna look at guys. But I think Bailey Zappi is a unique case where, like, even though he doesn't have the potential to be like a starter or ever come to that level I think he's like the perfect backup because even he doesn't really have any traits that stand out so that's why when he comes in for an injured guy he's always going to be able to put up a solid performance and complete passes and do what he needs to do and for that reason I have him as actually a pretty strong uh second string quarterback probably one of the better uh backups in the league for in my opinion and actually, maybe not one of the better backups in the league, but someone who's above average in terms of backups. And his median level outcome is going to be like average to slightly above average uh, second string quarterback. I think at his best, he maybe becomes that be- one of the better second strings uh, in the league, kind of like I was just talking about. And at his worst, he could maybe uh, fall to that third string range because like I said there isn't any like defining factor in him that's keeping him in the league he's not like a ex someone that excels in any region he's just someone with a lot of experience and someone that can come in and do anything and for that reason if certain things don't go his way he could fall to being a third string all right that'll be all from us for this episode make sure to like leave a rating do what you need to do on whatever platform that you're listening on That'll be all from me. That'll be all from Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one.